This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ultimatum Queer Love Rehap Up. I'm Asia, and surprise, we're back for some postseason coverage. We're so excited to be here interviewing Tiff from this season of the Ultimatum Queer Love. Uh, and of course, I am joined with my amazing co-host for this season of the Ultimatum Queer Love, Evie and Mary. How are y'all doing? Ah, I can't believe we have Tiff here. This is so exciting and fun. I'm very, I, I, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I feel like I told all my friends that you were coming and people are hyped. So <laughs> this, I love it. I love it. This was a get. This was a get. So yeah. I'm hyped. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to get in the conversation. You know, I feel like we've rolled right from Love is Blind to Ultimatum to now some post-show coverage. So it's just the, you know, the ball never stops over here on RHAP. It's great. (laughs) Not at all. Uh, And before we get started, make sure y'all go subscribe to our Love at First Sight feed. That's where you can get all of our coverage of this season uh, of the Ultimatum Career Love, as well as the last season of the Ultimatum. Married at First Sight, Love is Blind, The Show Perfect Batch. It's our one-stop shop for all the unconventional dating slash married um, marriage shows. The kinetic content. The kinetic right, content. exactly. The content. Exactly. <laughs> so, Tiff, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing lovely now that we're talking to you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we just want to dive into it. Let's dive into it all. So. Who is Tiff Durr? Is that that's how you pronounce it, Durr? It is. It is. Wow. Sometimes people say dare um, <laughs> or dear. Uh, yeah. So me, I mean, gosh, I'm I'm originally from uh, the East Coast. In about four years, I four years ago, I moved over to the West Coast. 
Um, I am, you know, queer identifying, non-binary, um, lesbian, just a person who um, loves documentaries and my dog and my cat and, uh, I don't know, tries to make life a better place. I don't know. Just learn, learn along the way yeah. <laughs> in this journey of life that we have no uh, blueprint for. So mm-hmm. <laughs> happy oh, yeah. to join y'all here. <laughs> Are there any qualities about you that you feel like people didn't see on the show that you feel like is a huge part of your personality? Yeah. So like a, uh, a couple of people did mention it. You see maybe a tiny bit with uh, Sam, but you know, when you focus on the idea of getting married for eight weeks straight as your full-time job to talk about marriage and marriage and marriage. And on top of that, when, you know, the toxic relationship that I was in, um, that becomes incredibly draining, incredibly draining. And you tend, you know, in reality TV, you tend to uh, say the same things over and over and over again. Um, so they can get that little tiny nuance, detail difference so they can stick it in the TV show. But with that being said, I was very drained and um, I have way more of like a funny, lighthearted, sarcastic side of me. You saw maybe a little bit of that with Sam, but I would say that takes up like 75% of my whole personality, <laughs> to be honest. You know, it's like there's so much more layers and elements other than just like love and marriage, but that's the focal point for the show. Absolutely. Um, so I have to say, I, it's so, I just, I love that you came out and were like, I'm a non-binary lesbian, same fucking, I never like how fun to get to talk to another non-binary reality TV lesbian. Uh, Yeah, there's uh, not that many of them. I think I'm like the first, the second one, I think in the dating world, other than Kai from, uh, are you one? Yes. Yes. It's, it's a rare. And I think that, I mean, to me, this is like one of the coolest things that, uh, the queer ultimatum did was like, just have so much more representation of like our community and like lesbian culture, queer culture, just like really, uh, on display. <laughs> yeah, I think when they busted open the um, the queer world, you know, like, hey, let's do a mainstream, not a lesbian dating show or a sapphic dating show, a mainstream dating show that happens to have a queer season. I think when they decided to go like a little unhinged with that, they decided to bust the door wide open with like so many more things. And if you even think about it, like not even just non-binary, um, many different races um, yeah. and also like different storylines and stuff too. Like I, with my ex, um, she was like, I'm pretty sure one of the first mothers on mm. reality TV. Mm-hmm. That was, that's a different one too. Like mm-hmm. the, I haven't seen it yet on Netflix. Yeah. Dating as a mother, dating as a queer mother. Yeah. Definitely not a story that that's, uh, that's really out there. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, and I wanted to also give you the opportunity if you're interested in sharing your pronouns, that was actually a question I got a lot yeah. from people, uh, when we started interviewing them. So mm-hmm. yeah. And, and yeah. just, yeah. Okay. Well, first answer that question and then I'll ask you my follow-up. Um, of course. Uh, so yeah, I go by, um, they, them. Okay. Awesome. And like, what did you, how did you feel about the show not having pronouns as part of it or just in general, the like gender representation on the show? You know, I think, um, I have mixed reviews on that. Uh, I think mainly if I can sum that up, my personal story about being non-binary is, um, you know, about, I, it just was a language that I never really knew. Right. Until, until recently, there wasn't a word for it. There wasn't this, you know? So I would say if I, if I had known about it earlier in my life, it, I, I would have rep- identified as that. However, I would say I, I, I started to identify as that four or five years ago, but in the process of my own personal journey and the, I guess it's just like unwiring a little bit of shame. Right. 
I didn't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable to yeah. have to change um, what, how, you know, like, hey, recognize me as non-binary. Yes. And that was a piece of cake for people like, oh, it's non-binary. But to change the pronouns. Right. I didn't want to make them feel too uncomfortable. I just didn't. Right. And um, so I did go by she and they I was like, OK, well, you know, uh, both is OK. I don't want to make someone uncomfortable if they don't want to. So on during the show, um, my I did go by she they pronouns. But honestly, in my heart, I truly went like in my heart, I went by they. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that no one for four to five years and I found out very quickly on the show no one used it they didn't even know i mean all my application that i put in for the show they didn't know i was non-binary my license says non-binary because i'm in the state of california but um they didn't production didn't even know until about three weeks into the show so with that being said everyone tried to unlearn it and Uh, you know so it's not shaming anyone for it but it's it's just uh i think it depicts the reality of what happened um And here's the thing is that, you know, so, you know, I do go by they, but during the show, um, there were no other pronouns that were used other than she, her for the rest of the cast. So it it kind of is kind of like if Netflix were to update it and include pronouns, Mal also goes by she and they, and now Xander goes by she and they. So it's kind of like that would even be outdated. So it's, as fluid as it is, which I'm totally for, it's like I see it from both sides, if I can say it. Like, but I will say Netflix is very, very uh, willing to learn and to understand. It's a big corporation, but at the end of the day, these are people that work for the company. They, um, long story short, they did post a little thing on um, Netflix, like post, uh, like two weeks before the show, we went to a press junket and they like already knew my pronouns already knew everything. Everything was out there and Mm -hmm. they fucked it up. They dropped the ball. And I actually, for my non-binary community, because at the end of the day, I know who I am. I don't need anyone's validation. Um, But for my community, my platform that I have now, I felt the need to speak up. Um, As soon as I spoke up about it and talked to a Netflix representative, Grapevine got around and and that video was completely deleted off of all Netflix social medias within 20 minutes. They're like, we dropped the ball. So they are willing to listen. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of goes, it's like, I feel half and half about it. So you had mentioned before recording that you have a, a, it's hard to condense down the, the, how you got on the show, what the casting process was like, all of that. And, and you've talked about it some other places, but I do wonder once you were cast on the show, once the show was about to start, did you have any reservations about the format, especially once you figured out that you were the uh, ultimatum receiver? Did you did you feel like there was a lot of pressure there? What was your perspective going into the show? You know, I I didn't really think about it as like an ultimatum receiver or giver, per se. I honestly looked at it like that was my what I thought at the time, my my teammate, um, you know, and like, hey, we're in this together. We had to be open minded, right, about, hey, there might be a chance that we might um, connect with someone. There might be a chance we had to be open to that. We weren't banking on that, though. Um, the possibility we thought was pretty low. Um, one, I'm pretty picky as you saw on the show, but then also we never really had to deal with third parties in our relationship. Um, it was more so just the lack of communication. So we thought it was a great opportunity to go on the show because the, the social experiment actually forces us, uh, during the dating period for two weeks. And then during the trial marriage or first trial marriage for three weeks 
to not talk to each other. So there's like five weeks where maybe we have spoken like four or five times. So that gave us the space um, to be able to think about what our needs are and how we can come back better or worse or whatever it is. Um, so I, I think that was needed because you know how toxic relationships are. You can kind of like, you know, break up, get back together. There's not, there's not that space um, that's in between. So I thought it was a great opportunity for that. Was that the the most space you had had uh, for a while, probably? <laughs> yeah, ever, ever. That was the most space, um, like a good four to five weeks, you know, where I, other than maybe a couple occasions on camera and one time because there was an emergency that happened with like Shiloh, my dog. Um, but we like let production know, like where we both showed up at the vet. Um, but other than that, like nothing, you know. Wow. And on the point, you, as you said, like this thing of when you're on a TV show and the producers are kind of you're saying these same answers over and over and you're talking about this topic, you're talking about your relationship, marriage over and over again. Do you feel like that element also like had some impact on your I don't know, just like you're you're isolated from your partner and it's just like you've got nothing to do except answer these questions about it. Do you think that? Yeah. that uh, yeah. How did that it had, like had an impact on it? Um I think, you know, just the show itself, just the way it's formatted. I mean, you're filming up to 16 hours a day. Most days I would say around, you know, 10 to 12. Um, you know, we have anywhere between like three scenes a day where the average scene lasts like, you know, three hours or so ish. Um, and then we're getting ready and changing in between. So like before a scene, we're talking to our producers, prepping us for the scene. Then we're talking during that scene, right, about issues. Then later on, you know, post that, we're doing what's called on-the-fly interview. So we're, like, talking about how we felt about just what happened. Later on that night, we're in the interview room talking about what happened earlier that day. And then, like, after that, we might have another scene and another scene, another scene. So we're, like, you know, and then the next day, the producers are, like, hey, um, yesterday you talked about this. So moving forward, what do you want to talk about? So that in itself is kind of, like, creates even if you're not a self-aware person, you are forced to become more self-aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, the most interesting thing, I know you're kind of asking me these, um, these questions of like, what influenced this, what influenced this, what influenced, um, you know, my decisions. What I will say, looking back on it, processing it with therapy and all of that, is that like a lot of people say, hey, why did I actually propose? Um, when you're made, people come on shows, you know, this particular show for different reasons. One was, I want to have all my finances ready. Another person is, you know, like different reasons. Our reason was communication period. And we've never been on a reality show before, especially an intimate reality show full time. Um, when you have producers essentially holding your hand and you're doing what's basically talk therapy and um, guiding you through the process, it's unscripted, but they're guiding you through the process. And you're talking about these things and you have this level of self-awareness when you're on camera, but you kind of forget, but you kind of don't. And all of that blended together up until decision day. Um, you actually like I actually started to truly believe that her and I were actually really working on our communication and getting somewhere. Um, of course, you only see one percent of what happens. And like those two scenes that you saw, maybe where like it was kind of like bickering of us back and forth. Um, that, those were our worst two ones that mm -hmm. we had. The rest of the times we actually were communicating really well and we were being self-aware and we were validating each other's feelings and everything. What happened is that as soon as the cameras went down and then we got engaged and then went back home, within one week, it started becoming bad all over again. And that's just the sad reality of it. Like we didn't have anyone kind of like 
holding your hand through the process anymore. Mm. We were just alone out in the wild again. You know? Yeah. You bring up a good point about the different reasons why people go on the show based on, you know, their, their, uh, with, with them and their significant other. Um, since your main conflict was over communication style, do you feel like you were given enough opportunity on the show to work through that? Or should there have been any other, uh, maybe like, elements to the show of hey we're going to have you two in you know um videoed like therapy with each other specifically working on communication it kind of seems like it was a little left more up to yourself of living this like you know this, uh, trial marriage trial home life as opposed to like let's work on the root of the issue here yeah so what you saw in the show was a lot of like you know we did some journaling activities and xyz xyz on the show to talk about it because that's the drama part of it right um, for whatever reason, the element of putting therapy on this show um, wasn't a thing. However, I will say that um, kinetic content, whatever's kinetic content or the Netflix budget, I don't know. Um, they actually did pay for individual and couples therapy during the show. So Mildred and I did go to couples therapy the entire show. So we oh, had wow. about eight, eight couples therapy sessions and I had eight um, individual couple therapy, like individual therapy sessions during the time. So that it's not shown, but yeah. I mean, all of us had the opportunity completely free to do it. Wow. That's honestly amazing. I wonder, like, I, I get them not uh, showing that on the show because it's personal and private, but the knowledge that that's happening honestly makes me feel really different about the show. Or yeah, just like, yeah, it's like, wow, that's it's awesome. way more emotionally intelligent than, uh, and I don't know if that's the word, but like than what is perceived. They yeah. have to push up yeah. the drama. But I will say it was a very like emotionally driven, life changing experience. And it seemed more, I don't know, like adulting, even though it's an unhinged concept, we all yes. came into it very aware of mm -hmm. like what's going on and trying to respect the process as much as possible. And of course, we're going to get into feelings because hello, it's like, you know, 10 AFABs dating each other. Like it, it's, of course it's going to happen, but we had it for the most part with a little bit of dignity. Um, and it just came out way more unhinged. And we actually filmed it back to back with season one. So mm -hmm. we never saw an ultimatum when it wasn't even called the ultimatum. Um, it was called San Diego couples queer project. So you know, that was filmed <laughs> wow. September to November, 2021 fast forward to April, 2022. My uh, then fiance and I sat down to watch season one because when you have this like uh a project that you've never seen before like when you apply to love is blind you've seen season one season two you know mm -hmm. like you didn't know what to expect imagine doing something like that you're like have wow. no idea what the finished product with a little bow on it's gonna look like and we sat down thinking like oh this is gonna be fun this is gonna be cool because it wasn't a very emotional experience for us like not just unhinged drama so and wow. it was marketed like that too so when we sat down and we watched the first episode. We looked at each other and we were like, what the fuck do we sign up? Like, what the fuck is like, there's no turning back. We could just like jump off a cliff and the shit was still there. Like it was just like, fuck, we have like, it's going to be bad, you know? So here we are. Well, that's, <laughs> well, that's wow. awesome to know. Cause I know that with the format of the show, we kind of see it with love is blind. It's like, as the seasons go along, people feel a little less authentic because now now you're kind of having to weed out who really is here for the show, who's re really here to get married, who's here maybe because they know Love is Blind is a big show. And I will yeah. say after, you know, covering both seasons of The Ultimatum, I thoroughly enjoyed this season a lot more than the first season. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that, that they, yeah, it would, I don't know. It was just, every, everything felt so real. 
<laughs> and yeah. I think that it was very real. Yeah, <laughs> it was real, all right. <laughs> yeah. So that that's good that you know it came I off that way and it was that way. You know, based on just my own sense, I mean, I've talked, uh, I've kept in touch with Ray from season one. So um, I will say the big difference is obviously you have straight and queer, which does bring up a stereotype of like, do assigned female at birth people tend to have more deeper conversations and afraid or aren't as afraid to express themselves and be vulnerable and be real or that plus the age gap difference. You know, I would say maybe the median age was like 30, 31 on our show, maybe. Um, and then I know like, I did the calculation at one point. I can look up what it was. Because <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was, I noticed it was definitely older than the than the first season for sure. Yeah. I mean, you did have a 24-year-old Lexi, but then yes. you had a 42-year-old Aussie. Mm-hmm, right. Most of us, I was like in the middle with age. Most of us were riding like the early 30s. And I, and I think there is a thing, you know, there's obviously the stereotype of, yeah, just like lesbians, like crying and you hauling or whatever. But I think, I think there's just a, also a deeper thing of like queer people you know, you, there's at some moment in your journey as a queer person, you've had some big self-discovery stuff to go through and to think about and to talk about and like deal with. And there's like something that I I do think that process like is a thing that in some ways can make like, you know, forces you to think a little deeper about yourself maybe, or like you have to, at least in those moments do that. And I think it, it makes total sense to me that you put a bunch of queer people together there's a lot of space for like processing and emotional thinking and who am I and what are we doing here? Like, I think like those things are, I don't know, more accessible maybe. Yeah. Sometimes. And that yeah. was definitely maybe the, you know, who knows there's feedback from the show from season one, season two, I'm sure there's a lot of feedback. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of us too were on the verge of marriage as opposed to season one. Like I think there's this different element of like getting married very early on and then you have the whole gender role things and what's normal in society, like, you know, get out of the military, you know, like marry the man, like, you know, stay home and do the cooking kind of thing. And it's just maybe that's just like the flow and process of life um, as opposed to it being like very genuine. It's a very conscious choice when you are queer and you want to get married. It's a very conscious choice for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, sorry, I was gonna say, I looked it up. Um, it was uh, 25 um, point six was the average age in season one, and thirty one point nine was the average mm. age in your season. Oh, I was filming. So you're close. Two. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I was yeah. only at the upper and, end. The average. <laughs> and, and, and actually, year the the couples in season two were also together for almost a year longer on average than almost. It was closer to three years than it was to wow. two years. Where'd you get so. these calculations? Did you do them? Did you look them <laughs> yeah, I did. Up? I did, I did <laughs> some math. Um, so we did get to see, you know, some fun moments with you during your trial marriage with Sam. Mm-hmm. And so I have a personal question because as you can see, I have my lovely dog oh. behind me. <laughs> They're my world. This is pepper. This is cinnamon. They're napping on the floor right now. <laughs> but I have to ask, was the situation with Shiloh as big of a deal as it was edited or was there more to the story that we didn't really get to see? Oh yeah, there was so much more to the story. But to be honest, when you say like, was it you know a big of a deal the way it's edited? Honestly, the way like when I, when we watched the reunion, or sorry, at the reunion the day before the reunion, we watched our show. Uh, you know, like five months before it aired. When I viewed it, I was like, 
this isn't that big of a deal. Like, like I guess because of the context, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like there was a moments where I'm yelling and stuff like that, but like, I'm not calling her, you know, I, I, I will take accountability for this. I will say, but just, I'll, I'll get there. Hold on. But like, to add, <laughs> but like to add, um, you know, the fact that I, I, I didn't call her any names. I didn't this, I didn't that. I just like yelled and asked her to love my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, the, you know, I just leave it like that. But, um, you know, there was, so I, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. I actually look because of the situation that Sam and I are fine two yeah. years later, still fine. And we're talking like twice a week and you know, that we were over that thing in two hours. We had a deep, long talk about it mm-hmm. and we got through it and we were fine. We haven't had a dispute ever since in life together so i think like that's like i was like oh you live and you learn you kind of thing and you move right on um and i honestly thought it was going to be funny um (laughs) and to watch the public go like that i was like i was not expecting that at all so like i mean the next thing i know i have like death threats of like yelling and i think a lot of it too is because of like the gentleness of sam i think if it was something else i wouldn't have been that big of a deal Mm -hmm. Um, but the context right when you're in a very um, toxic relationship into where I believe that it was a more of a power control dynamics going on um, in at least my experience, um, I was more so fighting to be heard and it was like more one dominating the power. I had to have grown, I, I became to be defensive and have very thick skin. Um, I had to show up like that to essentially emotionally and spiritually survive in the relationship at that point. And um, when you date someone for three years and your heart's delivered to the wrong address, you kind of become a byproduct of that. So it's kind of like your partner kind of your romantic partner does bring out a certain side of you. So like always choose wisely, Um, you know, had to learn the hard way. But it's kind of like working for 100 hours, right? 100 hours a week for two years and you're on overdrive. And all of a sudden they're like, Hey, take a vacation. It's like, you don't know how to slow down. You don't know how to, and like the littlest thing is kind of like you jump. It's like a knee jerk reaction reflex. So although I wasn't really romantically into Sam, um, there is this layer of like, this is the motions that we're doing. We're going to go through the motions. This is your trial wife. This is this. And it's kind of like the immersive experience of like, this is my partner at the time, even though, you know, I don't feel any romance, but um, you know, when you come from that environment and all of a sudden there's, someone who's disagreeing about someone that you love and also context. She had to go to the emergency room for the vet. She got a UTI during the sequestry phase where we didn't have any mm-hmm. electronics and this, and that, and that. Um, so she wasn't well. So the filming, you know, then I take that even more personally because I want to make sure my dog's comfortable. My dog's also a senior dog during the show. Um, my dog and I had to move like into hotels, into holding rooms, into apartments, into new apartments. And um, I think I counted like 13 or 14 times. So she was stressed out. So when you take, and on top of that, she was my emotional support animal, the only thing keeping me sane. And uh, so when you blend all of that together, uh, that kind of shows more of the context of, you know, where I was coming from. However, at the end of the day, um, it doesn't give you an excuse uh, to blame your past and your past experiences and your past relationships, an excuse to project that onto someone else. Because I realized I wasn't fighting about the dog. I mm-hmm. felt like in that moment I was fighting with Mildred, you know, mm-hmm. and um, 
So that's where I take accountability in. And Sam knew that. Sam understood that. And she's like, hey, I'm not Mildred. Hello, over here. And it's like, when I want to kind of like, when I realized that, right? We settled down. And then just like the my walls went down because uh, the what you saw, the whole dog scene. And then there was the next scene that you see us together. We're in this like restaurant talking about mm-hmm. it. There was literally two hours in between those two scenes. So it was a very quick back-to-back scene because we had to go out to dinner to that at night. And like, imagine us being in a fight and being like, hey, you guys are scheduled for dinner at seven. And we're like, I have an appetite. God. And um, so as we're getting ready, we weren't talking to each other. And I remember the day that like the moment that my walls went down with Sam, um, I was getting ready. She was in the closet. And then she was like, Tiff, um, you have every right to feel how you feel. However, that doesn't change what I feel about you and what I see in you. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I never received an energy like that. Like, at least as far as I could remember, right? So it's like, oh, wow. Like, this isn't an, an enemy. This isn't someone mm-hmm. I'm trying to prove my worth to. This isn't someone that I'm trying to constantly, you know, defend myself or constantly prove myself to someone, which I did in my previous relationship. I was like, I could just be me and be myself. Wow. So you say that you weren't necessarily, you know, romantically attracted to Sam. Was was there anyone else that you had thought either before, maybe even after watching the show, oh, it would have been interesting to get to know them better? Um, well, during the show, I I went on a lot of dates with Yoli. Like we were kind of down to like the bottom two. So I was on a lot of dates with Yoli. Um, we dated them for like both 20 hours or so before we picked our partners. Um and I didn't quite know, um, but I wasn't romantically into Yoli either. Um, but kind of like outside the show, no, I mean, I kind of got close to Vanessa, but like in a friendship way. I'm like a light switch. I'm either on or I'm off. Um, <laughs> and it's like, I it, things don't grow on me. Uh, I kind of like, mm-hmm. kind of know right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, no, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like in any romantic sense, um, in a friendship sense, yeah. I have to say, just in general, the friendship between you and Sam was one of my favorite pieces of the show. I was just like shipping that friendship really hard. It was. I love it. Yeah. We didn't get that much airtime, I think, compared to it wasn't like juiciness or we weren't hooking up or like, you know, like all that stuff. Um, But it did play an imperative role kind of in the the whole storyline between the Sam Aussie Mildred Tiff swap Mm -hmm. because it showed us both being combative with each other. Uh, you know, Mildred and I, and then when we go our separate ways, because communication was our problem, when we go our separate ways, I am able to receive gentle energy. And then uh, Mildred, it showed contrast of like, whatever the situ- like dynamic between Mildred and Aussie, um, to the point where Aussie had to leave. Um, it like, I guess the storyline shows that there's like a common denominator between both. I don't know. I don't know. So it just showed like I was off in La La Land, like, oh, everything's great, you know? And then like, them, it's like a whole tumultuous, you know, relationship. So. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with watching the show back, especially with all the time that passed, um, how was your experience watching the show? Was like, was there anything that you were surprised they included or surprised that they didn't include that you feel like was such a huge part of your story? Yeah. As far as part of my story, not so, um, not so much. I mean, it kind of did 
capture about 90% of kind of what we were going for, kind of what was, you know, except for little details here and there. Are there any more lighthearted moments uh, on the show that you, regarding you, that you felt like they didn't show or that you would want to tell people about? Gosh, you know what? As as much as I would love to say that there was, one, I, such a long time ago, I can't really remember. And then two, again, I was like so drained and like talking about marriage all the time and like serious stuff. That was such a serious and emotionally serious show. There's a few moments, like a few laughing moments in, during the show that you guys see. But like, other than that, like we were all just drained, like mm-hmm. drained, talking about love and feelings and falling in love with other people and everything. That just gets so exhausting. When you would get together for the few times where they would have big groups of all of you together to go out to eat or something, was was there any part of that where you're like, oh, okay, now I get to go talk to someone else? Or did it still feel like, all right, I got to talk about love. I just got to figure out <laughs> what everyone else is loving. Yeah, yeah. I um a little bit of both, right? Because when I got to see new people, uh, we were really discouraged to talk to each other, like not talk to each other off camera. It it happened a few times, but they want everything on camera so they can mm-hmm. get it right. Um, so that was refreshing to see new faces other than be with your partner constantly, constantly, constantly for weeks. Um, but then again, it's like, oh shit, like, you know. I want to talk to you about like, I don't know, the latest stuff on TV, like not just love and marriage and get the chisme on your (laughs) force, not force, but be soft manipulated to gossip about it later, you know? And I'm like, man, like it's just not me, you know, like. So are you at all surprised by the, the fans reaction to your friend, Natasha? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very, very, very surprised. We had no idea. I was like, I, when I watched her, uh, actually like watched it back the show in January, I was like, Natasha, you made the cut, like actually made both scenes. <laughs> like, that's really cool. I was like, yeah. And then, you know, we were both expecting like, I don't know, maybe a hundred or so people to hit her up, like people from high school and this and that and that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the world again, that was a shocker. The world like blew up. Um, cause I have known her to always be a blunt person. I'm a blunt person with her. And we just kind of have this like East coast kind of vibe with each other. But, um, that's how we've always been. But like, I think because she had, she got us some great context in there because she was also married and divorced and she kind of saw it for what it was. And I'm pretty sure that if I were in her position looking in, I would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. But again, when you're a soldier for the wrong person, you'll give that person the benefit of the doubt all the time. So if anything, I was like a little bit more defensive about it. Like, what do you mean? Your opinion really like isn't affecting me right now because, you know, just because you're, oh yeah, you never saw this. But I remember at the table, we were kind of going back and forth a little bit because I was like, just because you had a, div- you know, married and got divorced and didn't work out that doesn't mean that you need to kind of like project that onto me and assume it's going to happen in my case too, you know? So that's, that's the way I saw it then, but obviously different, but yeah, very surprised. We were both very surprised. Yeah. It's, it's always really refreshing to have someone who's outside of the show watching it, like 
it's like a viewer watching it and then being able to speak their mind on the show. So I think a lot of the viewers were like, yes, Natasha. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's been like jumping the gun and like, why are you even here on the ultimatum to begin with? And why are we asking the obvious questions? I mean, like to us, like to us during the experience, things were very obvious, but I think the way they just pieced it all together, it just left a whole bunch of speculation as to like, Mm -hmm. why are these people even doing it anyway? Because it leaves that suspense, you know? And, um, yeah, like Natasha just came in completely like, what's up? Why are you here? Where's Mildred? Why is y'all holding hands? Like, you haven't slept together? Like, how do you know if you don't like it until you do? You know, so like, there's just all these like kind of obvious things. Um, but that that made like almost like a comedy relief bluntness to like mm-hmm. a lot of viewers. I could see that. Did you have anyone else from your personal life who was like considered to be on the show besides Natasha or was it just her? So we both had two, uh, each cast member had two guests that they could bring in and film. Um, and they were all a month apart. So like, you know, we would bring one to one week and then like a month later we, f- they flew in the same pair. Um, so like Natasha made both of those cuts but my other friend didn't because there was, a, I had a friend that came in and flew in and did two different times. And oh, wow. yeah. And then they're from DC, right? So they're flying across the country. They're getting hotels, they're getting this and that. And they had to fly two different times. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, so like man. a lot of it just didn't make it a lot of uh, like family members, you know, I think for Mildred, you didn't see any, anyone, you know, so mm-hmm. it depends on where the storyline wants to go. Gotcha. So the show comes out, you know, it's a year and a half or so after you actually had the experience. So what's next for you? That's a lot. Like, I mean, honestly, for maybe the last two weeks, I would say I've been able to sit down, see the opportunities in front of me, see all those things. I mean, you never really know until it, boom, it happens. And then, you know, like it's just, it's bust wide open. Um, you know, for the first three, four weeks, I was, I was holding on to the rails, like all of y'all were, but just in a different way. I'm like, hold on, like, let's go. You know, I'm like, what the fuck is my life right now? Um, you know, and it's so hard to concentrate. You don't get sleep. You don't get anything. I've been warned about this. You don't get sleep. You don't everything you're, you're having like social media FOMO every freaking, uh, 10 minutes. There's another news article out about you about something stupid, like about, and it's just like, you're kind of forced to be in a position to think for yourself. And that's a very healthy thing. Cause if you don't, you will crumble and mm. you know, you kind of, you know, so, but with that being said, the last two weeks I have, um, finally been able to like maneuver and, you know, and, and I think there's a, my, the demographics of my fan base, if you want to call it that, um, is very you know, like kind of like two or three big things. Right. And whatever I do, I just want to make sure that it's authentic to me. Um, and I know my mission, whatever that looks like, whatever brand or, you know, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think anyone would step a little bit into social media influencing, you know, like with that, I think you'll be kind of off the, you know, the rockers not to, um, but I just want to make sure it's authentic, but my mission more so is because we are real queer representation in the media. We're not uh, a character. We're not fictional characters. Um, the fact that we're real people, when the cameras go down, we continue to be real people. And a lot of it is with our intimate lives are being put on the line. Um, there's a lot of opportunities with that. Um, and 
that is also an opportunity to be your authentic self. And so I just, my mission is to make sure um, that I show people that, or let people know that it's okay and it's safe and it's, it's okay to be your authentic self. um, And you want to do it so much and where I can help other people feel safe to do the same, whatever that looks like, whether it's funny, whether it's not funny, like whatever it is, I just need to be me and continue to be myself um, and create whatever that means. And uh, I know that's my mission, right? But I don't exactly know where that's going. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that. I mean, like, honestly, like, I'll like, just like the, the show coming out and you being on TV and like the whole cast being on TV and like during pride and everything, like just like anecdotally, I know it meant a lot to like my friends who are like mostly like out queer people. Like it was so impactful for us. And I'm just like, really like the people at home watching that, like wherever there's, there's queer people at all stages of their journey watching that there's people of all identities watching that, like, and getting to see more people, uh, yeah, and they feel yeah, seen. They finally yeah. feel seen when it comes to like who they are and who they love, you know. And yeah. I think that that's just like we we all knew coming into the project, it was already going to be big um, because it was just the same producers as Love Is Blind, you know, and it's Netflix. So mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it was going to be like some mini docu series. So we knew it was going <laughs> to be big, but um, coming into it, we already knew it was going to be way bigger than ourselves. So that was an opportunity in itself to be like a part of something. And it's not, the goal is not to be perfect, right? It's just to be real. And, um, you know, like, cause we also make mistakes just like everybody else does. We also cry, we laugh, we, you know, make a fool of ourselves just like everyone else. And people are like, this is horrible queer representation. I'm like, you're trying to act like you haven't like yelled at your partner once in like five years that you haven't like thought about cheating on somebody or like, like, I mean, just the realness of it. It's, it's not angelic, but it's, it, it's what's really us, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the way that I feel like is such a huge vital role in help bridging the gap in between normalizing it, not making us in superior to anyone else and you know but just normalizing like i'm just glad i got to be a part of that hell yeah thank you so much for being a part of it and being open enough to put yourself in front of the world like that so with this mission where can people follow you and keep up with you and order cameos from you (laughs) (laughs) Um, the cameos are wild um (laughs) The yeah, so both social media is TikTok and Instagram. I'm on uh tiff.ddr, so tiff.dr. Um, and yeah, you can follow me there. Um, it's a hot queer summer all summer long. We're doing worldwide lesbian tours, uh, you know, like doing all the pride events and stuff. So I, you know, I just got back from like Denver Pride, LA Pride, going out to Austin Pride to do stuff. And so they just got me going like all summer long for that stuff. Um but when I settle down, I, I'm thinking about getting into like more projects, you know, and just see where that takes me. But yeah, uh, to keep up, go on tiff.ddr. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much, Tiff. We You're really appreciate welcome. this. <laughs> um, so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mary, where can people find you? You can follow me everywhere at Frail Mary and check out what I'm doing. Um, I'll be gone next weekend at my game. So. Can I play fake Survivor as well as Evie played real Survivor? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Love it. And uh, Dr. Evie Jagoda, where can people find you? 
Uh, I'm on everything at uh, Evie Jagoda. And uh, if you haven't checked out our uh, Pride Has Spoken Queer Survivor series uh, that uh, came out, we finished uh, the series at the end of June. We had our last interview with Todd Herzog. You can check out our interviews with Todd, Missy, uh, Hi, and Carla this season. It was a really great season with my co-hosts, Matt and Grace. So if you haven't got your fill of queer reality TV content, (laughs) you know, go check that out. It really (laughs) was an amazing season. Yeah, y'all killed it. Um, and yeah, everybody, you can find me on all social media at Asia, like Asia, that's A-Y-S-H-A, like A-S-I-A. Um, and, uh, yeah. So thank you so much. We're so glad to have you here, Tiff, and hope everyone goes and sends you a follow. Um, (laughs) for you, same for you all. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, that's it for our postseason coverage of the Ultimate Mm -hmm. Queer Love. Bye. Thank you so much, Tiff. Yeah, my pleasure.